we're out here, we're out here in the middle of something. And, uh, and I tell you what, when, when you talk about something that's aesthetically pleasing, when something that you look at, that just kind of takes you into uh, a memory, takes you into a journey where you can look at an image and you can put yourself right into the lens of where that camera was, that kind of artist always is intrigued me since I was little. I, it's funny because I grew up in agriculture. I grew up loving, you know, grease and mud and dirt and all of these things that just kind of make me who I am. But at the same time, my parents really wanted to make sure that I was cultured, that I had, that I had the experiences to go to a ballets and, and go to a fine art galleries and things like that. We might not have had any money, but they still got the ticket and we still got to go sit in the cheap seats and watch all of this stuff happened. Well, photography is one of those things that I just have always loved. Like I've just always, you see those images and it's just like, golly, could you imagine being there at that moment? Could you imagine the sight, the smell, you know, was it cold? Was it hot? I mean, all of those things that were happening. And our guest today is, is an Emmy award-winning photographer, videographer, and as I, as I go through the mini accolades of the guy that we're getting ready to talk to, I'm so excited. I can't see straight. Um, when you look at his work, there is a simple, and I, and I say this in the, the best way that I can, there is just a simple amount of not a simple amount. There is an extreme amount of beauty that takes place in every image. And it might be a simple photo. And what I say by simple photo, and I'm not digging a hole here. MJ is looking at me like, what in the hell are you talking about? It might be a picture of a person, but you can tell just by the image what that person is going through in their life. And after you read the description, it makes you think, oh my gosh, I knew that before I even read it. The photography was able to capture the complete emotion. And, and to add to, to the discussion today, I figured it would be fun to go back on a backstory before we introduce him, he's over here smiling and I like it, but we're going to make him hold on for a second. MJ, you got to be super- really quiet over here. I'm just waiting you you just, know, to come you, on. You just, you just hold on over there. Superstar. Yep, I'm back here behind the curtain because we've got, we've got a supermodel in our midst as well. And uh, MJ, you, you got to be featured in, in the walls catalog because of our guest, Tyler Stubberford. What, what was it like to have your image captured? The, uh, the capturing of my image was, I mean, it was, it was fun, you know, looking back on it, it was at the same time, it was extremely miserable and, uh, cold. And, uh, you know, I've, I've caught a lot of jokes from family about, uh, about my supermodeling gig. Uh, it was just, it was cold and it was interesting. We had no idea what we were getting into, but without further ado, I just want to say Tyler, thanks man for being out here in the middle. Hey, thanks for having me. It is great to see you guys and to hear you and, and to be connected to you. Thanks for having me on the podcast and thanks for doing such an amazing podcast. Well, we're trying to, you know, and the one thing is that you could obviously tell I was tripping over my words. I was talking about who you are as a person. Um, and, and there's no better way to describe you as, is just a really unbelievable person. Not only are you extremely talented, you know, behind the camera, in front of the camera, directing videography, photography, uh, but you got a big heart. Um, you're an avid outdoorsman. Um, you're a dad, you're a husband. Um, you've assembled a really 
awesome team. You got tackle box over there, you know, I mean, yeah. you've, you've got, you've got just so many things going on. So as, as we get into our relationship and I want to say that I, I seriously can't tell people enough of how amazing, not only your work is, but just working with you, you know, mm-hmm. your, your candor in the way that you work with people, because MJ and I are not supermodels. We're not, we're not models. We don't know what we're doing. We're a couple of farm boys that are out here that you're saying, Hey, I'm going to need you to crawl that ladder. It's 18 degrees and you're wearing shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but you did it in such a way that it was, I mean, it was enjoyable and we got to learn a lot. We got to see a lot. And so, so, mm-hmm. What makes, what makes you who you are? Yeah, that's a big question. We'll just dive right in. Well, we don't um, have time for pleasantries here, man. We only got, we don't have time for pleasantries. Yeah, man. Um, I think, um, so I'm 45. Um, what's pushing me right now in my, you know, growth as an artist, um, which you've spoken about in the imagery is to get right to it is how closely can I connect to my subjects as a director, as a photographer? How intimately close can I bring the viewer to get to know the subject and his or her story in the landscape, in the location where we're filming? Um, And that requires everything I have. And, And by that, I mean, it means, you know, surrendering or jettisoning jettisoning my ego, connecting more with my heart, being authentic, um, not being a chameleon, you know, but being who I am in each situation, um, being trustworthy, and then being a coach, both a coach for myself, but a coach as you guys have felt. And we can talk more about it, you know, what we did with our shoot for Walls Outdoor Goods, but... There's a very special relationship capturing someone on on screen and on camera um, and asking for them to share with you their their being, their soul, you know, who they really are, not just the, you know, the name tag that's on their shirt or their title or their, you know, I'm a CEO or CFO of this or I'm an actor, I'm a dancer, whatever it is. Show me who you are. And I promise to hold that. The thing I like about just kind of jumping into to what makes you a an Emmy award-winning photographer is we kind of start at a point where, I mean, the images, if you don't follow him on Instagram or just, just Google Tyler Stubberford and just look at the images that you've captured so far, take us, take us back to the beginning. What was, when did you realize that you wanted to be a photographer and, and a director? Yeah. Um, I started and, and I still am just as an avid, you know, outdoor lover um, growing up in Burlington, Vermont and, you know, winter hiking and camping with my dad, whatever it was, you know, skiing, whatever, out in the bugs and all sorts of stuff of, of any winter, summer activities. I just had a just complete wonder for for nature. And, um, you know, and so then as I grew up as a writer and a journalist and studied journalism and English in college, um, got into magazine journalism. So I've, I've always been a storyteller that way. I worked full time as a magazine editor at climbing magazine and another, uh, rock climbing title, rock and ice magazine that brought me here to Colorado. And photography became a way to me that just that became more more powerful um, in in addition to the writing, but really um, as a way of you know of telling a story in a single frame, of capturing the essence of a, of a situation or of a person, um, and that's grown into video as well. So, when did you when did you have the aha moment? When did you when did you you know? 
you clicked the button and then you, you eventually saw the image at some point. So I'm assuming that you started shooting on film. Yeah. Started shooting on film. Yep. Uh, you know, a little bit in high school and then in college for me, it was a way to, to try to capture the, the wonder of, um, of nature and of the outdoor world of places I was going and seeing, you know, sunrises or sunsets above treeline and the, you know, in the Northeast or, um, and I wanted to share that. I just had so much enthusiasm for it that it clicked and said, wow, I can capture this. I'm, you know, I'm terrible at it at the start, but I'm getting better. Um, and then I interned at, at, um, at climbing magazine in college. And I said, wow, there's like, well, there's at least five people or so, you know, who are like making a full-time living of like writing and photographing about rock climbing and mountaineering. I was like, my goodness, this is a, this is a thing. I can do this. Um, had a great mentor named Allison Osius who, you know, guided me in this process. So that's when the, that was the aha moment. That was like, wow, I can actually make a living or, you know, pursue my passions in this. And then it grew far beyond the climbing world, um, really to just capture the human experience. And as you're, as you're, you know, for all of you Gen Zers out there, you know, you don't get to start with an iPhone where you can actually take a pretty decent image, you know, with film, there's a whole process. And you're so so walk us through, you know, you're out there, you're, you're trying to figure exposure and you're, you know, you're trying to put everything together and then you have to go back and figure out why in the world did my phone let it do that at uh, the 10, 10 minute mark. <laughs> it, we just had a text message come through. I don't know what the heck's going on here. Sorry. OK, so 10 minute mark going back. So you're, you're dealing with, with film. So you're, you're taking an image, you're taking a capture of an image, capturing an image. Let me see if I can use my words today. And then you've yeah. got to, you've got to go back and you've got to develop that. So you don't really know what you've got in front of you. Right. And, and what, what, how do you get through that process of mentally being like, Oh man, I think I got a good one here, but you don't know. Is it just time and repetition? Is it just practice? You know, do you take notes? Do you? Yeah, man. It's, you know, listening to your podcast, Jay, it's exactly what you spoke about. Although on micro levels compared to some of what you share, but it's, you know, it's failure and iteration and learning quickly. It's the real measure is not how, you know, how great am I or how great is any one frame. It's how quick, Quickly, can I evolve from the failures and learn every single time? Um, and as you shared in your, you know, business stories and successes and, you know, and failures, what I would call, you know, some real failures, some big failures through your, you know, college years and such. The question is not like, am I, per am I perfect now? Or, you know, am I exactly where I want to be? It's how quickly can I learn and adapt from the failures and from the shortcomings? And that's the case still, I think, as you saw during our shoot together, that it's a collaborative process. It's never one click of a frame and, oh yeah, okay, I've got this. Uh, as you see the amount of setup that goes into it and, and to qualify, I know that you enjoy shooting with one frame, but there's so much that goes in before that millisecond of that shutter opens and closes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I, I sit there and I kind of think about, you know, what would it be like to be a person like you where you're on the side of a frozen waterfall and you've got a rope and you've got a camera and you've got a, your subject is, you know, picking through the ice or whatever you would say that is, you know, how do you, how do you balance 
some of your shots were you did you actually get to fly in a in a jet with oh uh yes i did uh i had a 90 minute flight with a sortie of five f-16s over the yeah colorado rockies with that buckley air force base yeah so so you're 90 minutes in an f-16 man and you still have to be able to keep your composure in your candor and do your job. Yeah. And how, how do you, yeah. you know, for me, my heart beats out of my chest when I see one of your climbing photos, but at the same time, yeah. how do you, how do you compose yourself to be like, you know, this is what I got. Yeah, it's a great question. I've worked on it a lot. Um, actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked about it. Um, I rarely get a question like this, but Two things, Jay. One is um, I've been a lifelong climber since I was, you know, 14 or so of, of climbing. And for me, as I enjoy climbing at higher levels, rock climbing or ice climbing, the intensity, the the if I let it get to me, the intensity and the fear and the physical duress can be so overwhelming that for me, the process of getting better is risk management, but also very clear, calm thinking in a time of stress. And so I really love bringing that to, you know, photo and film shoots as well. And I had to really prepare um, a lot before my flight with the F-16 fighter pilots to visualize just as, you know, an athlete would before a game. Um, you know, contemplative time, you know, meditation, um, and not just like, oh, I'm going to do this five minutes before the flight, but for weeks or, you know, months leading up to it. Um, but that's really what I love is performance under pressure. It's just something that I, you know, like to do. Um, I'm not a competitive athlete that way, but, um, I am very much in the, you know, to myself in the, you know, in the climbing realm that way. I've been a lifelong performance athlete training for that every, you know, several so times. So as you're, as you're doing that, what is, if you look back into your, who knows how many memories of doing this, how many experiences have you had where you were like, well, that was way too close. That was, that was too um, extreme. That was too extreme. Yeah, a lot. Um, a lot. A lot. <laughs> but... <laughs> But a lot less, you know, since having kids too. Our kids are 12 and 14. Um, and, and to be clear, it's not, it's not the risk. You know, I've spoken about this before. It's not the, the risk is not what like the, the thrill. It's not like, oh, wow, here I'm, you know, we're on this snow slope and it could avalanche. That's really cool. I'm excited by this. Absolutely not. It's not the, it's not the level of danger. It's not like, hey, this rope could, you know, could cut and we could die. Wow, isn't this cool? Maybe we'll get away with our lives this time. It's, that's a terrible way to look at it. It's what it, what attracts me to these spots is the ability to, to see these places of the, you know, the human experience and nature in wild places. That's what excites me to be there. And then also for me to be in these places, to be performing or experiencing these wild places um, at a high level um, and under control. That's to me, if I hope that helps clarify that a little bit. Right. So, I mean, at the same time, you want to be able to capture a spot in, in time that somebody probably in their lifetime won't ever get to experience. But you're bringing, yeah. you're bringing that experience. You're bringing the thrill of being there to somebody that could be sitting on their couch in, you know, North Africa. <laughs> yep. And so, like, before I, I flew with the F-16 fighter pilots at, at Buckley Air Force Base, this was a piece for Denver Magazine, 5280 Magazine, on the citizen airmen of the Air National Guard there. I spoke with the, you know, the base of the general who's going to be flying the lead, lead plane and this and the other. And I did a lot of research of imagery. And I said, I want this 
to represent you all at the very best of your, you know, your profession and who you are. And so here's what we need to do. I want to do, you know, barrel rolls and vertical climbs and this, that, and the other. And that's none of that's for the thrill. I want to be able to capture imagery of you guys performing in a way that the viewers, you know, of this news of this magazine or whoever else sees this will never otherwise get to see and to understand it. And so I wanted to raise my the level of my performance and my ability to hang with them um, quickly. And so that took a lot of like, you know, kind of mental and just physical training, but being a climber, I think, and having that performance ability under, under extreme stress really helped. You know, interestingly enough, I think there's a whole lot to be said about the way that you shoot, because I will find the same amount of thrill in seeing, and I say thrill, but the same amount of detail and passion and exhilaration as I do seeing one of your, your ballet photos mm. as I yeah. did seeing you in the backseat of an F 16. Yeah, I will, I will tell you honestly, you know, what resonates with me honestly more like where my heart is still like just glowing is the portrait that I captured with your coworker, Jack, you know, as a farmer there, oh that, that, resonates with me more than, you know, flying in an F-16. And I, and I mean that because I felt like that was a rare chance where when I was working with, with you and MJ on the wall shoot, you guys were the main models. You fit the stuff, you hit the demographic of the younger people that they wanted to hit. And so it was more commercial shooting with you. And with Jack, we had a rare moment, which I would like to have the chance with you guys someday to do, but to capture a personal portrait. Um, and that's where I think that I'm glad that it resonates with you, but you know that being a very talented photographer yourself of there's something unspoken in our ability as we refine our craft to capture someone's heart and their kind of spiritual being. And I don't mean that in a religious sense, but you can see it when you see the image that we're coming into his, his being and who he is. Um, you know, that, that, that to me is far more exciting than, you know, hanging on an ice cliff or flying in an airplane. Yeah. And that speaks about the way that you shoot. Talk to us about winning an Emmy. Hmm. Um, yeah, great. You know, I was just actually with um, the subject of this Emmy Award yesterday in North Carolina, R Reverend Richard Joyner. Um, I had the uh, the uh, the great privilege to to shoot a Turning Point TV series episode um, on Reverend Richard Joyner, who's a, a Baptist minister and a chaplain and. Um, the Rocky Mount Tarboro region of North Carolina, and he works in uh, as in Canada, and it's an area with you know big racial divides, a lot of poverty. Um, Richard himself had grown up on a sharecropper's farm. I mean, the real, not even a vestige of slavery, so much as just a real, you know, the long tail of it. Whereas his father was a, a sharecropper, um, and so. We told a story, essentially the Turning Point TV series focuses on people who've had a turning point in their lives and are committed to doing good, to doing well in their community and in the world. And so for Richard, it was a story of how he grew out of racial anger to become someone who could lead his community uh, to health in a place of, you know, from a place of, of much disease of, uh, you know, poor diet and such. So he started a community garden. And for him, and this relates directly to you, Jay, the connection to the land and to a healthy food source is at the very core of his being. 
Um, so we told this 30 minute story and, um, you know, we were fortunate to win an Emmy for documentary storytelling. And um, I sent the Emmy to Richard the day after I got it, the statue, and said, this is all yours, man. This is, this is, I just was the conduit for the story, but the story is yours. That's a testament to who you are as a person too, man, because there's so many people that just gloat in the accomplishments that they've had. You know, you walk in and there's just everything that they've done. And yeah. to, to you, that's the thing that, that really spoke volumes about us doing a shoot. I mean, while it was frigid and, you know, it was, you know, us excited because we've never had to do something like this. And, uh, yeah. but just to, to watch you interact with us, it was not, I did not feel like we were in the middle of a commercial photo shoot. You know, mm. I felt like, Hey, there's this, yeah. there's this guy. And, and, and truth be told, I did not do enough research on who you were, you know, which I think is always in my part. I don't, I don't ever want to judge a book by its cover. Right. I want to make sure yeah. that we're looking at the person for who the person is. And, yeah. and so for, for you to walk in and for us to the first night to just try and close on and, and get to talk to you a little bit and laugh and, and joke around a little bit and expose you to some strange music. I think it was really, I think it was really neat to see what kind of guy you really are. And, and that's one of the reasons that I've been dying to get you on here is because I think there's, there's a lot to be said about that, that, that we live in a world now that is what have I done mm. instead of what have we accomplished? And, and you are a vessel that is just highlighting person after experience, after person, after experience about what we have accomplished. And so that's just, it's, it's moving and it's, it's, it's awesome to see I want to, I want to kind of change gears a little bit and you, you, yeah. you do a lot of pro bono work. Um, and right now it's uh, the economy. We all are feeling the strain and stress of where we're at in today's economy. Um, yeah. And, and so one, I would like to touch on, you know, what do you do in, in a COVID-19 scenario? And two, how does that impact what you do pro bono? Yeah. Um, thanks. You know, it's, so let me preface that by a couple of things. It's like in my, you know, in my earlier youth, I think it's just a natural stages of growing up, you know, we're full of testosterone and such. And, and, and my worldview is much, is much about what can this world, you know, give to me, you know, what can I accomplish in this world? <clears throat> I'm 45 now. Um, and achieving certain modicums of success, I've realized that I, I, I simply, what's that? You got really good genetics. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know. I, that's again, I, I have no, no, I can't claim anything over my, you know, my, whatever it is, my genetic lineage, my, you know, race, gender, who I am or whatever. That's that none of that we can, can you know, can really have control over. I think the few parts where we have control over is <clears throat> the heart that we can bring into the world. You know, that's maybe where we have some choice, you know, in the matter there and how we show up even particularly in times of hardship. But but to go back, it's that um, I've reached a state, and and I think you can understand this too, Jay. At a certain point, levels of success, that a certain level of income or more levels of consumption don't bring greater happiness. That, and I had to find this through 
you know, spiritual practices and just like self-help that the only way for me to like move the needle on my happiness really is to serve. And this has been, you know, talked about and written about for thousands of years by any great leader, you know, um, but I had to find that for myself. I think we all do. <clears throat> so that's what's led me in its own way of a self-serving piece, you know, to do a lot of pro bono work um, here in my community and around the world for, you know, I, ideally... It's, I like to help those who, who don't have a voice. There's a lot of people in this world who have plenty of a loud voice. And unfortunately, a lot of very difficult things happen to the silent poor in the world. And, um, you know, for example, this is a concrete example in this COVID time. You know, there's at least five million kids who die every year of starvation. And we don't hear that in the news. Um, and at least and likely double that will will die this year because of the economic downturn. And our newspapers are full of the stories of, you know, of the covid situation. And, and I understand that that's, that's a, it is you know, a very scary situation. But I also want to help pay attention and turn my efforts as soon as we hit this economic downturn. You know, my wife and I are thinking, gosh, how do we help those who are really hit hard? Here in America, we're getting, what is it, $600 or $2,700, you know, handout checks, um, you know, welfare, unemployment, different things are available. There are millions and millions of people without any safety net, and they're hit really hard. And particularly for you guys in, you know, in... Dell City, you don't have to travel that far across the border to North Mexico to see that there's a whole lot of people who have nothing and no safety net. And so that's where my concerns go. Yeah, and that's and that's even in the region of the Southwest. I mean, there is so yep. many, you know, still true active colonias that, that people don't have running water and they don't have sewer and they don't know where their next food, you know, their next meal is going to come from. Let's, yeah. let's, let's touch a little bit on your spirituality. You know, what is, yeah. what is, what, 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 what makes you as a, as a person that, that, that practices, what do you practice and, and, and what yeah, makes you? Yeah, man, I, I, uh, boy, I, I started like, comments as almost as a, like a pure atheist. Cause I just couldn't believe that there would be a, you know, a, a religion would at the same time preach like, you know, peace and love and then, you know, have war and gay hatred and this type of stuff. I was like, how do, how do these two things live together <clears throat> of, you know, intolerance and such? So it took me a while then to, to learn to come to it. <clears throat> and really I borrow on any piece that seems to resonate to me on a sense of wholeness and, you know, and, and completion and our connection to the, to the one or the, to the divine. So it's, for me, that's <clears throat> um, definitely, you know, parts of Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, Vedanta, um, really, you name it. I, I read a lot. And I, um, I think what I've come to do, I think that's what we all need to do as people, is to <clears throat> not clutch so greatly to our identification, our attachments with one name of a religion and buy in everything, is to freely discard anything that doesn't speak to me or to us at the time and hold on to what is true. And I think the, the more I read and practice these things, they all converge um, to, a, you know, to a place of of, uh, of truth and of beauty with that, you know, with the images that you take and, and, and the places that you go. So you do acknowledge that there is something higher than us. Yeah. 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 Uh, before I, you know, before I do a, a photo shoot or a video shoot, a lot of times I'll spend some time and, you know, meditation or in prayer and, and say, okay, you know, to whatever word that is that you use for, for divinity, <clears throat> You know, 
may I take away my egos or my expectations or my call it wants or desires or needs from this day? Can I be a conduit for the highest service for, for my client or for capturing the imagery of my subjects, you know, for serving? A lot of times it's a, just a commercial shoot and that's the goal is to serve the, you know, the commerce and the advertisement or whatever it is that we're filming. And that's great. <clears throat> but through that, can I bring, you know, bring my heart to that? Can I take away <clears throat> all that's not needed? Um, and the, to the level that I'm able to like, let go of my, my ego, um, and my like self-serving needs, but bring all the intensity. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm calm or, you know, passive. It means I'm bringing all the heat and the intensity and all the greatest parts I have of my being. Can I bring that in service? That's when my work gets great. <laughs> That makes that makes a, a lot of sense. If you're, I mean, how does that work for you and your business? I want to, you know, this because um, I we I've heard you talk about faith and how does that play out, you know, for you um, as a photographer and as a business owner? Absolutely. So for for me, I went through a couple stages of finding out who I was as as a practicing Christian. And yeah. understanding what religion truly meant to me and, and, and religion, the word itself kind of gives me a weird chill in my spine that it all, all of a sudden it gives you a sense of uh, empowerment because you believe in one thing and all of these other people shouldn't, you know, they're a bunch of pagans because they don't believe, but truly yeah. embracing what my spirituality is through, through being a Christian is understanding that one God is love and two there is, there is in the evolution of me as a Christian, I went through a stage in college where I totally went silent where I thought, you know what? I, I, I don't think there is a God. I think that, you know, this is all just something that we were just kind of morphed into. And some people are weak minded and the only way that they're able to get through a conversation or they're able to get through a hard time is because they've, they've created this falsehood of somebody that's out there in the universe and space that's taking care you know, that's taking care of them. Um, mm -hmm. and yep. as yep. I got out of college for the second time, um, I started to understand that there is no way on the face of this planet that a person can take a seed and plant it in the ground. And by chance that seed is going to mature into something that's going to nourish somebody or is going to mm. close somebody um, or mm. is going to provide a, a source of energy that we need to, to sustain our livelihoods. And, yeah. and then I started to understand what it truly meant in, in my life to be a Christian. And the fact that if you are going to, and, and I do not have the best walk and that's the thing that I don't ever want to come across is because so many people get caught up in one, um, you know, one slice of, of what their spirituality means that they become hypocritical. Um, mm -hmm. And if God is love, then that means you have to love people regardless of skin color of their, uh, you know, if, if their sexuality doesn't agree with what you believe in, that doesn't mean that you hate the person and you shun the person. That means that you need to show them love and that they need to be understand yeah. that regardless of what they go through, that you support them. You might not agree with their opinion because let's face it, I'm yeah. not going to agree with everybody out there. But at the same yeah. time, that doesn't make me a better person. It doesn't make me a, a better human to do that. But understanding that, that, that things are happening for a reason in my life and things are happening in these people's lives for a reason. And if I can be a positive light, if I can help empower them or empower their voice, that's what I want to do. And that's the, one be, that's the person that I want to portray. Um, I don't want to portray myself as somebody that's holier than out.
I want to say, Hey, listen, yeah. my name's Jay. And I make the same damn mistakes that you make every day. Yeah. You're doing a good job on your podcast of sharing that. So, so openly. Thanks. And, you know, and, and that's, yeah. the, it, it was hard because we live in a day and an age where it's not socially acceptable to say, this is what I believe in. And this is who I am because yeah. we're, we're feared of, you know, there's the fear of being shunned or the fear of people are like, well, yeah. you know, we don't agree with you and what your religious beliefs are. I'm not going to push yeah. my religious belief on a single person. Yeah. But if somebody asks, then I, I have no problem in sharing who I am and what makes me. Yeah. So, and, yeah. I, and I, I see a lot of that. And I see on this podcast, uh, um, you know, it's like it seems like in a lot of our social media area and, and you're breaking some of this, but it's OK to, you know, share your work accomplishments or your family vacation or your muffins that you make or whatever. But to really talk and have a meaningful dialogue about, you know, what we believe, um, I think that's the only way we can grow is by sharing our beliefs and listening, you know, and with respect. And like, oh, that's interesting. You know, we are some of our big challenges in the world. Um how do we solve these? And if you have only one opinion, it's terrible. We're never going to get to where we need to be. So thank you for sharing those. Of course. And look how, look how it ties into the political arena that we're in today. You know, I was joking mm-hmm. with you before we started, you know, I'm running for president in 2020. Yeah. Huh. Right yeah. You got to tell us about that. I'm, I'm a write-in <laughs> candidate, you know, that's it. all right. That's stroking the ego as much as we can right now. How many votes, how many like signatures do you need for this? I don't know, but I think I've got four right now. I was going to say, do you have, do you make your coworker sign for you? Is that like, yeah, I think there's a, there's a cash incentive. If you vote Jay Hill, I was thinking that, yeah, I know how this businessman works. Exactly. Wait until, uh, wait until that gets in the the tabloids of the wall street journal. That's going to be paid for his votes. I have no, I have no problems in you looking at my tax returns because they're pretty horrible. (laughs) Um, At the the same time, you know, I think, I think this, this correlates and ties itself into, uh, into politics so well, because it's okay to vote for somebody and stand for why you voted for them. But at the same time, if that person has the ability to say, I I voted for somebody that I know is human, it's going to make mistakes. And do I condone the mistakes that they make? Absolutely not. You know, if they're doing something that is that is obviously tearing something apart or not bettering us as a society, you know, but at the same time, I don't want to sit here and just say, well, I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about religion because people don't do that anymore. And that's something that we have to, you know, in, in talking to my grandmother, you know, she's 94 years old. And uh-huh. just a staunch Democrat. She's going to push the D button every single time. I grew up a Democrat, you know. And so mm-hmm. to be able to have an open conversation with her, it's so amazing because if somebody sits down and instantly attacks the reason that she always pushes that D button, there's no way you're going to win that fight. Right. Totally. But, but by asking the opinion and asking about, you know, well, what do you think about the way that this was voted on? My grandfather, you know, was Lieutenant governor of New Mexico. And so she got to, she got to ride the coattails of him all around the state and doing those things. And it was amazing for me to let her tell her story and say, you know what? He voted with what his constituents wanted. And that's what mm-hmm. cost him becoming governor of New Mexico is because he voted for what the people wanted. Yeah. That's service. And, yeah. and so he lost because he didn't tote the line of just a democratic party. 
And I think, mm-hmm. man, there's so much power in a statement like that. And there's so much power in a conversation like this where people will honestly just say, this is where I'm at in life. And at the same time, yeah. I'm willing to change because I know I'm not always right. Yeah, absolutely. MJ, absolutely. Can we mute that in MJ's ears? So that it doesn't hear that, that, that you're not always right. Yeah. I no, can. That's ingrained now. Oh, that's the first time I bet. Yeah. Right. You know, also one of the greatest things as a photographer and a director is like, I get to work with people of all, you know, religious and, um, uh, political, you know, and racial profiles of different things that, um, it connects me and, I love the opportunity to be with people um, who have, you know, vastly different political views than me. You know, if I can work, I've photographed, you know, environmental lawyers for Patagonia catalogs or I've photographed coal miners and oil well roughnecks for Timberland Pro work boot catalogs. And I'm not more excited to meet one or the other person. Um, that's one of the great things about you know being a photographer, I think, and a, and a cinematographer, and wanting to capture the human experience. Um, and I've and I think that it's sadly it's sadly missing um, for us. It's it's no one's fault per se, but is the ability to talk and to connect, you know, with our hearts and in a friendly way to people with whom we may have great political. Disagreements may not be in the right word, but just different views um, that my life is just, you know, my life is so enriched as I as I see that um, we just really do have so much more in common than we have apart. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, our, our news headlines and our appetite to click on certain news headlines is for fear and division. That's where we click more readily as viewers. It's just our, you know, part of our reptilian brain that way. I think that's kept us alive. And, and I think, I think the thing that we've got that's going against us is it's, it's a level of comfort because by hiding behind something or sitting in the shadows, it's comfortable, you know, and the, yeah. the, the fact that we find an opinion, you know, Oh, and that's why I've been hitting on like Facebook. Facebook drives me crazy in the fact that people think by sharing an image or sharing a story that that is going to put an impression in somebody's mind that is going to change their opinion. You know, if it's, it's, if it's a pro Trump or, or pro Biden, or if it's pro Christianity or pro atheism by just sharing that over and over and over and over and over that is finally going to click a light bulb in somebody's brain and say, Oh, I can't believe that I've been thinking this way the entire time. And all reality, they're just saying you're an idiot. And why in the heck are you posting all of that crap all the time? You know, and so for me, tolerance is a huge word that I've had to work on. I've had to overcome anger issues. I've had to come. I've had to overcome, you know, mental depression. Um, Yeah, me too, man. Me too. And 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 a lot of people will say, well, your persona, you know, exudes this idea that, you know, every day is a is a blessing, which every day is an unbelievable blessing. Every every sunrise is different. There's never been the same morning where the sun came up in the exact same spot and, and lit the mountain exactly the way it did the day before. Yeah. And you seem to be really excited about that as a photographer, as I've looked at your work and we should call this out on this podcast too. But something I see in your work, Jay, as a photographer is like the greatest thing I can say about it is you have a, a boyish enthusiasm for capturing 
things. And I mean that in the highest regard. It means without a filter, you know, without a, um, of what, you know, that you have a, an unbridled enthusiasm for, for capturing, you know, nature and farming and um, storms and different things. And so I, I just love seeing that. It's, you know, and, and I think that's why me and you click. And I think that, that people that even don't, that are not in the photography world or in the, in the, uh, any kind of fine art, at least would say that there's, there's a certain amount of enjoyment that a person can get by finding the blessing in each day. And mine, mm-hmm. mine is that morning, you know, mine is because mm-hmm. the morning tone sets what the day is going to be. And yeah, don't, don't MJ has seen me on rampages in mornings, you know, when I've just the world falling apart. But at the same yeah. time, we as a company and hopefully we as a community see that every day is such an amazing gift. And those little snippets that I can catch sometimes are just some of the cherries that people just don't get to. You know, the, the lightning storm when we were in the, the vineyard the other night, you know, it was just yeah. people are never going to get to feel that rush. And so that's why I, I, yeah. I pick your brain on these things. And it's that is a boyish enthusiasm, man. It just it, yeah. you know, I, I love it. And it's just it, it's exciting. This is not about me. Hey, knock, knock this off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I like podcasts that are back and forth, you know, not just a one way. You know, and as, as, as you go forward in life, you know, what is, what is something that you're hoping is going to, is there, is there a breakthrough moment in your photography? Just to zoom in on that. Is there a breakthrough point that you're thinking, you know what I am? I, I hope that, that, this image, this series, or my life's work will take somebody to the next level of enjoyment in life. Gosh. Um, not that that's deep or anything, but good luck. Yeah. Not that it's deep. Let me, let me give you two, two ways. One is, um, it's hard. I, I don't want to be necessarily outcome driven in my photography, right? I, because if I'm saying I want to have this, I am hoping or expecting that an image will do X or Y for a viewer. <clears throat> I can't control the outcomes. I can only contr- can, I can only control to a certain degree my contributions to the field. So how much can I master lighting? apertures, you know, um, shutter speeds, lens uses, um, and working under pressure and managing a team, how much can I manage that? And then how much, you know, of connectivity and heartfelt connection can I bring? Those are the things that are somewhat under my control. I can't control the, you know, the viewer's response that way. Um, so that's where I try to focus my, my contributions. So with that being said, how do you handle criticism and negativity? Yeah. I've had a, um, I think I have a, I've had a hard time with that. I grew up, um, you know, with a, with a childhood that sometimes dealt with a, an excess of call it, of shaming, um, and of blaming. And so I'm still a little bit like, you know, tender to that and I've, you know, worked through that. And that's also what's brought me to, you know, spirituality and self-help to like a greater place. Um, so I, I think what I, you know, I, I, I try to, um, A, one thing, main thing is to walk in integrity, which I have, you know, is a hard road for all of us. And it's, I'm never, you know, never perfect. Um, but the older I get and the wiser I get, the better that and the easier that becomes. So to walk in integrity um, and honesty so that there are, you know, very few missteps in, in terms of, you know, major missteps along the way. Um, and 
And, and then is to ask for negative feedback. That's the big thing, Jay, as, as a business owner and as an artist, I want to solicit from my team the most rapid, candid, harsh feedback that I can at the time so that I can do better work. Like I love being proven wrong or being found out that I'm, I'm incorrect in my view or in my approach because I get a free upgrade. Somebody just helped me be better right there. So that's, that's a big thing for me and a cultivating. I've loved um, books like The Way of the Champion by Jerry Lynch and um, different pieces by Michael Gervais on oh, Radical Candor by Kim Scott in getting really harsh, encouraging a team that can have really harsh, candid feedback in an atmosphere of team love and support too. And I think the thing that, that correlates with that too is not being hung up on the fact that, you know, when, when a weakness is exploited, that it doesn't change you as a person, that you're not going to hold that back. You know, there's been plenty of times that me and MJ have had conversations and those conversations end with, um, can we cut for one second, Jay? You got it. We've got a guy at the door here and, um, yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Chaffee. Chaffee is a premium alfalfa product that's grown in the shadows of the Guadalupe Mountains. Our unique climates allows us to have cool nights, warm days, and allows us to have a consistent growing season to make sure that we have the best quality forage product on the market. If you want to know more about Chaffee and what its uh, beneficial use for your farm or ranch could be, check out Chaffee.com. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Chaffee. Another one of our awesome sponsors is Big Frig Coolers. You know, it seems like everybody has a cooler. I mean, if you if you think about your in your garage or in the trunk of your car or in the back of your pickup, we all have coolers. One thing about being a farmer and running around on the roads that we have, I can beat the living crap out of anything that you put in the back of my truck. And I've had a lot of coolers. I did not understand what it was like to have a well-made cooler until I got a Big Frig Cooler. I got to meet Brock a while back. He's the owner of Big Frig. Him and his amazing team have gone through... Uh, trial after trial, making sure that they are putting together the best built cooler that you can buy. The cool thing about Big Frig is you're able to customize your cooler as well. So if you're looking for a personalized logo or if you're looking for something for your company to be on top of that, so that way you're always repping your company, get with the guys at Big Frig. They can do any kind of crazy custom order. Uh, I've got my J Hill logo on mine and I absolutely love it. Went elk hunting with it, orange rubbed all over it. It still looks absolutely amazing. Go to bigfrig.com. They've got all kinds of awesome things and we support their movement as they support ours. We look forward to the future with Big Frig. Are you awake? Get in, get in this thing, Mom. It's been a what? It's been a long week, Jay. It has been a long week. Not bad. It's been a long 2020, but it's been... We're building, Mod. Building. Yeah, but yesterday when you had to ask what day of the week it was, I didn't, even, I didn't even know where I was yesterday. Is Ethan married yeah. yet, or is he just engaged still? Man, I'm pumped up for you. Thanks, man. That's, that, that's awesome. <laughs> it was going to be this summer. Yeah, it's supposed to be this summer. Yeah, but it'll be next summer. We're going to actually do like the legal thing at the end of the month. Oh, cool. So, oh, I was going to I was gonna tell you, too, that, uh, that I'm an ordained minister in New Mexico, so if we need to go across the state line, I can hook you up, Don. <laughs> All right. <laughs> one, one state away. 
Are you really? Yeah. All you have to do is like a, apply for it online. Yeah, it was a online out a certificate. I'm, I'm ordained as well. I've, yeah. I've done one wedding. Yep. All right. Multiverse, you know, multifaceted. M- MJ not only packs the finest products or the finest forage on the face of the planet, but he can hit you. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, we're back rolling. Thank you. Sorry for the interruption there. What are you thinking, MJ, about Tyler's story? He's got a pretty amazing story. I didn't, you know, you, you came out you took the pictures, but even then when you left, I really didn't know that much about you, but to hear, you know, the fact that you can do these high adrenaline shoots, but not enjoy the adrenaline portion of it is amazing. Cause if I was in a fighter jet, like I would just be. Did you have to pee in a bag? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I did about blackout when the, uh, the, uh, there's a longer story, but the pilot had assured me that I said, look, I want to capture the best images of you. We'll do whatever it takes, you know, upside down, vertical, yada, yada. But let's, I don't need a joyride. I've owned <clears throat> my first three cars in my life were minivans and such. And I met my wife when I was, you know, kind of a, a climber living in the back of a, Dodge Caravan, so I'm not a motorhead by you know by trade there, um, and I own just a larger van and a station wagon now. So my point is, I wasn't up for the thrill, the ride in the F-16. It's great, but I wanted to capture the imagery. Right. And they, the pilot promised that we weren't going to get you know do any heavy G-forces without a warning, and he just smokes me on takeoff. He goes into 400 miles an hour off the tarmac, brings the wheels up. And we're just about, I don't know, 80 feet off the ground. And he turns it into a sideways skid, turns the airplane sideways, and then points it to the moon. And we go from 5,000 feet to 16,000 feet in the sandbox takeoff, do seven and a half G-forces. And my liver and spleen and everything just shoved about into the side of my upper thigh. I had no warning on this and just, just on the point of blacking out. And uh, yeah, at the end, he said, aren't surprises great? Wow. <laughs> Was he just laughing up there? Yeah, I think they're, I, I like to equate, they're kind of like, uh, as one of the one of the pilots said, they're like NASCAR drivers with maybe 20 points higher IQ. They're just, uh, yeah, still still love to just, you know, give people a good kick and joyride. My brother-in-law's brother was a F-16 pilot, and uh, he <laughs> he's now working for UPS or FedEx or somebody like that. And so he's just flying these big, slow. And he's like, he's like, they took me out of a Porsche and they put me in a bus. And he's he's like, he's like, there's still days though, flying that big gigantic package moving machine across the air. He's like, you can push it. He's like, like, you can still, (laughs) and I'm like, I don't know what these stinking companies are thinking, but an F-16 pilot didn't fly. I'm like, no wonder why my Amazon package was all beat up. I got this guy Uh up in the air flying around. (laughs) <laughs> so let's talk about your home life for a second yeah so sure let's, let's, let, let, how did you meet your wife yeah um so yes um or uh yeah uh we met in college uh we're at um at dartmouth in new hampshire um this was so we were both we maybe met at 18 um you know knew each other through common friends and started 
dating at 19. Um, I don't think it was in our playbooks to, you know, either of us to date the least amount of people before getting married. Um, but it just, we dated until we were 25 and got married. So for six years and, you know, we're apart for a lot of that. Um, so yeah, so we got married at age 25, moved here in Colorado. Uh, we lived in Carbondale, Colorado in Western Colorado for, um, yeah, since 1997. So a long time. This is kind of my last stop. I think I'll build my tombstone here and, um, this is it. This is the the love of, you know, love of my life. This, uh, this place of, you know, of Colorado here. I totally thought that you were going to say you wanted to move to Dell city, but (laughs) I, all I did that. If I couldn't be in Carbondale, I would be in Dell city. Yes. Yep. Yes. I've enjoyed seeing, I loved getting a chance to see your hometown and keeping it rural there. Um, and I love your passion for your hometown. I think we have equal passions that way for, for where we live and for building our and strengthening our communities there. So two beautiful children. Yeah, we have a um, biological daughter, uh, Annabelle, who's 14, and then an adopted son, Sam, uh, from Ethiopia, who's 12. So we've had a great, um, you know, I call it a little, you know, heart experiment into having a biological child and, uh, you know, and an adoptive child. And it's been amazing. I love it. And how does the blend work? I mean, how does, you know, when you love somebody, you love somebody, right? And it, 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 yeah. But I mean, it, what are the challenges of, of blending those two worlds together? Yeah. Um, you know, we really haven't found a lot. Um, I think we want, we've had, we had some friends who had adopted and such. And so we just, uh, you know, we figured, well, Megan, I can't even actually remember the discussion. It was such a non-issue before we had kids. We're like, maybe we'll have a kid and adopt a kid and see what, see what, you know, see if it works. We can't even remember the, how that discussion went down. It was probably a 30 second discussion where one said that and the other said, yeah, great, let's try it. Um, it's opened my heart in such big ways to see, uh, poverty, both in the United States, we looked at adopting, you know, locally too, um, and to see poverty around the world and be connected to that. And to me, it's it's not, you know, into into serving. Um, and it's to me, it's been a real like sacred thing, I'd say, to um, like a sacred vow almost to care for a child for somebody who obviously no one wants to jettison a child, you know, it becomes from a place of extreme hardship, the likes of which most of us, you know, you know, God hope we never experience that type of, you know, destitute uh, desperation that it's been, it was a real, you know, kind of sacred vow to raise a child for somebody else. And we had the chance to bring Sam back to his home village uh, last year and to meet some women who had found him in a basket and cared for him, uh, you know, for as long as they could. Um, so very powerful thing. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been great raising a biological adopted kid in a nutshell, you know, they fight like blood siblings and, uh, there's been, there's been a lot of, you know, it's been a lot of love on both sides. I don't feel any less or more connection to either one of them, honestly. And I've really tried to probe that and see like as a little social experiment, huh, how does my heart work? And I think it's like having a, a dog, you know, or two dogs, honestly, like you don't have to have like quote made this, you know, house pet out of, you know, your own clay to love it. Exactly. If you, if, if you're on a non COVID year, how many days are you gone? Hmm. Yeah, I'd say, you know, in a bustling year, I, I try to put limits on it, but I'll be I'll travel about a uh, about 100 days a year or so. So, you know, a little less than a third of the time. I, I don't want it to be more than a third. That's for sure at all. Do you do you get the opportunity to take your family? 
Um, I haven't a lot. Um, I do take my, my family on some trips, but um, my wife Megan is a is a uh, seventh grade public school teacher here, so you know, pretty busy schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about uh, a, yeah, a very very difficult and demanding profession. It makes you know, whew, um, I couldn't do it. I really couldn't. Um, I have so much respect for you know for what teachers bring. Um, so yeah, so travel a fair bit, uh, but I've also Jay made really conscious choices to 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 do more commercial level work and short form work rather than say, you know, be drawn to um, let's call it the next level. Even though I don't necessarily believe that that's the case of saying okay, you know, um, Hollywood work or you know, are you, when are you going to direct a you know a, a feature. Um, I haven't done that for the main part. I've queried a lot of people in the Hollywood industry and I've asked, how's your relationship with your spouse? How's your relationship with your kids? Do you have the relationship and the time with them that you would like to have? I have not heard one person answer in the affirmative of being like, it's great. You know, I get the time that I want in my life with my family, you know, or to build the relationship stronger. So I've really chosen to be here, you know, in in Western Colorado and to do more commercial work, um, which has its own beauty as well. And that's where the beauty of it is we did this work for, you know, for Walls Outdoor Goods and photographing you guys. I get a really, the intensity and and we did some great photography and filming together, but it's a shorter duration. I can come back and be with my kids on, you know, my family on the weekends. Yeah, absolutely. That makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. You know, is there, is there anything that, you know, is there anything that speaks to you as far as a place that besides Carbondale, Colorado, that you were there and you were like, this is, this is heaven on earth. This is the one spot that if, if you could go back you probably wouldn't have the chance to go back to where, where would that be? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, well, let's, let's talk about, let's give us an overview real quick of, you know, where have you been? Where, 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 around the world, where have you shot? Yeah. You know, um, my travels have taken me both work travels and personal travels have taken me, you know, um, gosh, all around to at least, Oh, right. Probably all six continents, I guess, not, not Antarctica, but you know, all around, uh, many countries, um, and and I've you know as my profession I'm I have to seek for you know for beauty. What's the most beautiful you know scene or person or place or thing that we can capture? So it's been a fun you know a fun journey that way. Um, not always glorious in any way. As you see, there's a lot of work and you know early mornings and whatever involved in it. Um, but the reward is you know in the, the whole process. So yeah, I've seen a lot of the the world, but I want to say that like the beauty is not in the place itself. The beauty is not in, let's call it the, the way that, you know, the objects in our view are arranged necessarily. I really like looking for the beauty um, that's, that's, you know, unseen as well. Mm-hmm. And, and by that, I'll come back to the point where shooting on a, you know, an oil rig or a coal mine or different things that, you know, I don't want to spend every day there, but um, I really have enjoyed capturing beauty and humanity, um, you know, in, uh, in coal mines. Actually, I ended up running into a coal miner who I had photographed about 15 years ago. And, um, here it's a couple of weeks ago on a random fishing trip and he was there and we recognized each other 
and um, I had given him prints that we photographed from the shoot after. And he just grabbed me by the arm and, and uh, he said, Tyler, you have to understand, like, no one has ever given me photos of what we did. I worked in the coal mines, you know, for 30 years. I never had photos of what we did. And my family didn't understand. I came back in sandals and shorts from a shower and no one could understand why I was like so exhausted and such. So I don't know how this came about, but I want to tie that in that like sharing imagery, sharing prints with the people I photograph is probably the, the most important thing that I do as well. And I think that, you know, Ethan and I sent prints to you guys. Um, and that to me is a big part of completing the circle because I understand when I'm photographing you, even if you're paid or compensated or there's an agreed, you know, exchange in some way, photography is a taking in some way. And I think you feel that sometimes, even, you know, being on the other side of the lens there, you guys, when I photograph you, that to me to complete the circle is, is making prints or something or giving that to somebody. Um, and that to me is really the highlight of, you know, the process. In closing, I've got two questions for you. Yeah, ma'am. What's your biggest fear? Yes. I've, I've heard you ask that before on podcast and I love it. Um, and I want to ask you that too. So I'll answer it. Like, ah, you're not allowed thought, to do that. I am though. Yeah. And you, I guess you could just mute me or cut me off, but otherwise I'm going to ask it. Um, it's, it's funny, Jay, like, um, to, a couple of things. One is I'm, I'm more afraid of life I'd say than I am of death. Like I, I, I think about, um, it's, it's almost like, um, the only the biggest fear I may have would just the only thing I want to accomplish in life anymore really is just to be a father to the for the duration of my children's you know growing up. Um, that's the one that perhaps is probably the only fear that I have that way. Um, otherwise, I feel like entirely complete. And I, I and my kids like put their ears their hands over their ears. I'm like, I could go anytime. I don't have any box to check other than being a dad to you guys. There's no experience that's gonna completely complete me more than I am right now. So, yeah, but it's just like the day-to-day lives of, you know, I think of like, of yeah, silly fears, you know, of being like shamed or hated or whatever, or like the little fears that get me, not the big ones of like, yeah, you know, death in any way that way. Yeah. Second question. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask you one, but go ahead. Second question is, is other than a, a religious icon or somebody in your family, who's your biggest hero? Um, anybody who shows up with kindness and like firmness, forgiveness, but, you know, truth in a state of challenge to me as a hero. And we all make missteps. Nobody's perfect and walks that line day to day. Um, but to me, I don't have a name of somebody um, so much as I see heroic, her, you know, heroic actions every day. They rarely make the news because this 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 type of activity is not fear based. It's love based of saying uncomfortable truths, of standing up for whatever it is that that needs to be said at the time. Um, That to me is a heroic act. And and even in your small way of, you know, of having Officer Austin, your police officer on the site, of you talking about your failures, of being open to talk about, you know, politics, of police action or brutality of different things. That to me is a heroic act of stepping forward rather than backward. 
That's heroic action. I think that's how we need to, I always have to be careful when I say what we need to do, but that's how I want to raise my kids is to stand up for, you know, for truth, even when it's inconvenient. Heck yeah. I mean, that's, those are yeah. good answers. And, and, and I, you know, and I want to bring on this podcast, we're talking about those things that I want to ask you, this may be on or off topic, but what are, you know, what are your greatest fears? And you have a son, Hayes, who I understand is going through some, is it, is it cancer? You mentioned chemotherapy. Yeah. So, so Hayes is undergoing treatment for, um, a rare syndrome called OMS and Mm -hmm. OMS is usually caused by a tumor on uh, the vertebrae somewhere. Uh, or an yeah. um and it affects the lower part of the cerebrum and it affects motor skill and um, early childhood development. Um, yeah. So his ability to sit and to stand and to talk um, are all symptoms of that. So it's a, uh, it's something that there's not a lot of research about, but right now it's kind of uh, a carpet bombing, if you will, with chemo yeah. to try to, yeah. um, fortunately and unfortunately we have, we've yet to find the tumor. Uh, yeah. and so, uh, we had a, a meeting this week with the neurologist and he said that he is, he is pleased with the fact that, that Hayes is handling things so well at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little concerned that the wobbliness that he has in his body is not going away. And so they're looking at maybe changing the way that they're going to treat um, what he's going through right now. So he's just real shaky. You know, he, he's just kind of the bummer mm. guy. Um, but I mean, he's definitely a hero right now in my life because yeah. he's, Ooh. he's 11 months old and yeah, he is happy and he's mm-hmm. loved and he wants to, he, he just, he's just a beaming person, you know? Yeah. And so um, the thought of something coming along that would take him is tough. Um, yeah, but it's not a fear. Yeah, it's because life is going to throw us curves, and it doesn't matter if it's our health. It doesn't matter if it's family or friends' health. It doesn't matter if it's the COVID virus sweeping the world. Um, we are all going to return to Earth at, at, at some point in our lives. Not mm-hmm. you know, there's there's nobody that I've ever met or anybody that I will see that will be ascended into the heavens. Um, we will all end up in the same spot. And so I, I, I do not fear death for myself or death for somebody else. I pray that they're in a spot that when they do die, that they're comfortable with the person that they've been. And that's my, fear. Yeah. my fear is to leave this earth in a spot that did not inspire and did not help, um, to leave this earth, uh, in, in a form that is worse than when I got here. I want to leave a mark on the earth, not because it was Jay Hill leaving a mark on the earth. I want to leave this earth knowing that we made decisions that helped empower others to let them understand that there's no fear in death. That the, that the yeah. biggest fear that we can have is making sure that, that we were, and I use this all the time and some people roll their eyes, but be a better human. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's my answer. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about that off the podcast, but I'm like, why the heck not ask this on the podcast? Because this is like yeah. where we're sharing, you know, our hearts just my so much heart and love for you and your family going through this and uh, uh, super powerful. I, I agree with you. My, my wife, Megan, went through a very close near death experience last year where she had a twisted intestine and eight days in the hospital and 
infection, all the things that are going through in a big emergency surgery and such. And it was kind of could have gone either way there after day four. She had four blood transfusions over many days. And, um, and she would agree. And I thought, gosh, is, is there, she could go either way. I was like, man, this is really hard on me to be left with two kids. And she would say the same. She's like, death was the easiest thing going. You know, it's far harder on the living. And I think it's helpful to remember that. So it's, you know, the, the hardships for us, not for those who are, you know, going to death. There's that good old quotable line, get busy living or get busy dying. And, yeah. uh, and, and living man is just, if we don't think that we're not going to have crappy days, then, then we're living with our head in the clouds. But at the same time, yeah, living's the hard part. And uh, yeah, to be able to sit back and remember those times of your fears and your failures and, and the struggles that you've had, God, those are the, those are the good memories, you know, of, oh man, this time was bad, but we got through it and we're going to continue to keep getting through it. And so that's, yeah. that's it. Well, I'll bet this time with Hayes, you know, of course, I'm so sorry to hear you. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But I also believe that this this process will bring you to your knees. I'm sure it already has, you know, you and Katie many times. But it will just bring grace in some way into your life, too, in a way that you probably couldn't have found without this extreme hardship. And talk about knitting a family closer together. I mean, it's, you know, as bad as the situation can get from time to time, this this is one of the biggest blessings that we'll ever go through. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blessing in my life too, just to think it brings me to my knees thinking about it. So thank you for sharing it so publicly, you know, on, on, uh, Instagram and, and here. Oh, absolutely, man. And, and again, just to, to, to wrap things up, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time. You know, I can't, yeah. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you as a person, your team, old tackle box there in the background, you know, yeah. I, I just, uh, we, we love to align ourselves with people that, that, that are doing good things. And, and yeah, man, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. Um, closing out, tell us about what you got going on right now. Yeah. Um, let's see. Probably, um, you know, th- things are relatively lean right now in the COVID in the COVID shutdown because I make my living mostly, you know, through travel and working and, you know, kind of large groups of people. I've been really fortunate to have a nice trickle of work. Um, <clears throat> But the thing I'm most excited about right now, I've been working as a CASA volunteer, which is a court-appointed special advocate for foster kids navigating the foster care system and the county the judges here appoint, uh, appoint these volunteers. This is a nationwide program I'd love to tell people about. You can go to casaforchildren.org and learn about it. But essentially, it's working with you know kids navigating the hardest of times and there's just not enough support for them in the state you know system that way so as volunteers would come in and spend time with the kids and be a voice for them for more of what they need and um, so that's what i'm doing a fair bit i'm looking forward to after doing some traveling uh, with my family to seeing my uh, foster boy that i work with a 15 year old boy uh, this weekend spending time with him and you're doing something where you are donating proceeds of your prints Oh, yes. That's another thing I'm doing. Right. Thank you. And uh, I think you're going to help me with that. Another great thing. um, I've just launched a fine art print website. So you can go to tylerstableford.com and click on the prints icon. And for this month, I'm donating 100 100 percent of the proceeds to Wide Horizons for Children, which is one of my favorite nonprofits that works with destitute kids and families around the world. And not just in handouts, but in really working with community people to have empowerment, to hold them accountable for their schooling and economic counseling and microfinance loans, a lot of best practices 
to give people a bootstrap so that they can actually pull themselves up out of poverty. Um, so all the prints, the sales, and the proceeds are going to uh, to help, as we spoke about in the beginning. Those who are just have no safety net, just being crushed um, into true starvation by this economic downturn. Yeah, and that's that's another testament to who you are, Taylor Stubb, or Tyler yeah. Stubbleford. I mean, I can't I can't tell you how much I appreciate your friendship, the opportunity to talk yeah. to you today. MJ, you got any closing thoughts? Well, I, I got one question for you real quick. And you you already said that you don't have any uh, boxes that you want to check, you know, that would complete you more. But is there a, is there a story out there that you're still trying to run down that you want to tell through your photography? Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Like what I want to do, like if you know what I want to shape my career. A pretty face. What's that? Not just a pretty face over here. MJ, <laughs> <laughs> he, he knows he's, he's, he's got the, he's got the bomb questions here for the end. Yeah. Like what I want to do, you know, in this, this next portion of my, you know, call it the second half of my career or life really is I want to tell rich documentary stories. Um, I've got some, you know, ideas, um, uh, really attracted to different stories. I, I maybe share at a later time, but of, um, again, of showing, you know, humanity at its best or worst, but showing the human heart. I, I believe that, like, what I would like to share is just how, you know, we all have the ability to be heroic, even those whom we might look at and judge or hate or things that there's under different conditions and different circumstances, we can be better people. So I have a, a number of documentary ideas of working even with like prison dogs that work with, um, you know, convicted felons in prisons that are service animals and such for certain, because you get, it's an, it's a way to bring the viewer in to see who we might call these, you know, terrible criminals and to see the love that they can cultivate in caring for a dog and being a, maybe for the first time a caregiver and guardian in their life and the, what that brings out in their heart. So that's one idea, but there's a lot like that. And that's what I'm like, you know, kind of hoping that the world will let me, you know, do and what I, it's not just let me do, but where I'm trying to, you know, move and put my efforts and my passion so that I can tell those type of stories in the world. And the Emmy, you know, documentary award that we win, I hope is just one step. I don't care about the award. It was just the ability to tell that story of Richard Joyner and his work. That's what I want to do more of. Right on. And in yeah. closing this out again, thanks. Maj, thanks for uh, taking some time away from the plant, sitting in here with us. Anytime. With that, we're wrapping up episode 13. If you guys are liking what you're hearing, please don't forget to download uh, the Out Here in the Middle uh, podcast, uh, whatever episode you guys are looking for. We're trying to cover as many gamuts as we can and try to talk to as many amazing people as we can. Thanks again for joining us. God bless. Have a good day. Thank you.